If you have your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, and we'll be in chapter 24. What a great declaration of the greatness of our God, and what a way to worship this morning. Uh, while you're turning to 1 Samuel 24, I will tell you a little bit of my life story. I am 49 years old, and as I stand and look at my life today, uh, where I live, who I live with, uh, the status of my life, my joy, my peace, my happiness, my, my attitude, I recognize that all of that uh, is the accumulated result of a half century of decisions. You see, we make decisions every day, critical decisions, significant decisions. In fact, oftentimes when we make a decision, we don't realize at the time just how critical it is. And as we grow older, our lives more and more just become the sum total of the consequences of all of those decisions. You are the decisions that you've made. And so making wise decisions is one of the most important things that a person uh, could ever, ever learn to do. I remember when I was uh, in high school, and I think I faced one of the most important decisions in my life. I felt as if the Lord were drawing a line in the sand and saying, you need to make a once for all decision about who will be the Lord and the master of your life. And then as I look back over all of these years, I think my whole life really hinges on that day, on that one decision has determined so many other things in my life. I remember when I was in college and I had to choose uh, the friends and the peers that would most influence the direction of my life. I think that was a critical choice as I look at where my life stands today. I can remember dating relationships in, uh, in college and after college and before college and just the decisions that were made about whether or not those dating relationships were gonna be ones that honored the Lord. I think that has consequences. Those have consequences even to this day in my life. I remember the decision about who I was gonna marry. And I remember Donna's decision about who she was gonna marry. And, and certainly that is a hinge point in my life. I remember the decisions that we had to make about our engaged relationship and whether that relationship was gonna be one that uh, fulfilled the expectations that we knew that God had of us. I can think about jobs that I have quit. <laughs> I, I can think about jobs that I've accepted and jobs that I have refused. I can think about houses that I have purchased or sold. I think about decisions about my children's health care and education. I can think about financial decisions and legal decisions. But as I stand before you today and as you sit before me today, our lives are the sum total of the decisions that we make. I know that there are some circumstances that are sometimes outside of our control that can influence our lives, and uh, we can't deny that that happens, and more in some people's lives than others, but I, I think even with that, our lives are more about how we respond to those circumstances, the decisions that we make in the face of those circumstances, than the circumstances themselves. Decisions are everything. And so how can we be people who make wise decisions? Well, the Bible has a lot to say about this. And I want you to see uh, what it has to say in 1 Samuel 24. This is a, an, an historic event that may not be very familiar to you. It's sort of a, a minor event in the history of Israel. 
Uh, but I think it's one that just illuminates some, some biblical principles that can help all of us make decisions. I'm not finished making decisions in my life. You're not finished making decisions in your life. And so we need to know what it has to say, and I think this passage will help us. So 1 Samuel chapter 24, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, When Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the wilderness near En Gedi. Now let me tell you a little bit of what's happening. David and Saul were arch enemies at the time. Saul was the king of Israel, but he had been a poor king, and God had told him that he was going to take his hand off the house of Saul, that he was not going to continue to be the king very much longer, and his son would not become the king, that God was going to remove his hand from the house of Saul, and there would be a new king, a new family, a new dynasty in Israel, and uh, that new king was going to be David. But at this time in history, Saul was still the king, even though he knew his days were numbered, and David was not the king, even though He knew his days were numbered, and one day he would become the king. Well, Saul couldn't handle the situation. And Saul really just goes insane. If you read all of the things that Saul did, he's clearly insane. And he tries to execute David on a number of occasions. And at this point in history, when we come to 1 Samuel 24, that's exactly what Saul's trying to do. So he gathers up the army. And we're going to see this in the next two or three verses. He gathers up the army and he goes on this search for Saul, for David, so that he can kill him because, um, you know, maybe he can uh, remain the king a little bit longer. And so that's, uh, that's our setting. Look at verse two. It says, so Saul took 3,000 of Israel's fit young men and went to look for David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. Now this was uh, a region in Israel Uh, mountains, not really mountains, mountains, but large hills uh, that were dotted with caves. It was an arid region. And and, and so with the erosion of of years gone by, there were all of these caves, thousands of caves. It was an easy place for somebody to hide. And so David and a few followers that he had, they were hidden in these caves. And so Saul and his 3,000 elite soldiers were searching for David in these caves. Now, it really gets interesting in verse 3. It says, when Saul came to the sheep pens along the road, a cave was there, and he went in to relieve himself. Now, that means exactly what it sounds like it means, okay? (laughs) It was time for a rest stop. He was looking for a restroom. He, he, He needed to relieve himself, as the Bible says. And so he leaves his 3,000 soldiers behind. He climbs up the Uh, the hill a little bit. He goes into a cave so that he can be alone. But what's interesting is of the thousands of caves that he could have chosen, he chose the wrong cave. So it says David and his men were staying in the recesses of that very cave. So he goes in this cave, he's looking for David, but when he's going in the cave, he's not looking for David. He's just looking for some privacy. And so he goes in this cave, and it's the same cave where David is hiding out. Now, can you imagine David and his soldiers, his, uh, his uh, supporters, they, they had been, you know, peering over the side of uh, uh, the, the cave, and they could see Saul and his entourage and the army coming up. And they wondered, why, why have these guys stopped? And then they see David get off his uh, horse or his camel or whatever he's on, and they see him marching up toward them, and 
They go, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, and he marches right into the cave. And so now they're hidden in the shadows and they're whispering to each other. There's the king. There's the king. Verse four. So they said to him, this, these are the supporters of David. They say to David, look, this is the day the Lord told you about. I will hand your enemy over to you so that you can do to him whatever you desire. They said, this is the day that the Lord has made. (laughs) I mean, the king, our enemy, our arch enemy is right there. His britches are down. His sword is laying against the wall. Uh, His his bodyguards are at the bottom of the hill. This is the day that God has given. Goes on to say, then David got up and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. So we don't know exactly what happened, but I can imagine David in the darkness and he's walking as silently as he can. He has his sword. Uh, probably the robe had been laid to the side. Probably this was not a robe that uh, the king was wearing. He probably you know, took his robe off and laid it on a rock. And so it was just a few feet from him. And so David's trying to decide what to do. He gets close. He, he cuts off a little bit of Saul's robe. And he's going to go back and he's going to talk to his men uh, some more. Verse 5 says, afterward, David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. It was because he had come so close to executing the king. He said to his men, I swear before the Lord, I would never do such a thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. And with these words, David persuaded his men and he did not let them rise up against Saul. And so David made the choice, the faithful decision, not to execute the king. Now, if we were to just fast forward through history, let me tell you how the story turns out. That turned out to be a very good decision. And David becomes a man after God's own heart, becomes a a great king of a great nation, does uh, unbelievable things with the presence of God. This turns out to be sort of the... Uh, the, the, the first of many incredibly wise decisions, along with some poor decisions, but the first of many incredibly wise spiritual decisions that David makes that determines the course of his life and the course of the nation. So I want us to look back at just these seven verses, and I want us to learn how to make a decision. I, I first want us to learn how not to make a decision. So I want to show you three things here. Uh, three ways David could have made the wrong decision. Three ways he could have made a decision he would have regretted. And so we're going to look at the negative, And then I want us to turn and look at the positive. How did David make such a wise decision? So first, the negative. Uh, how, how to regret your decision. Number one, let circumstances be your guide. David could have allowed circumstances to guide his decision. He could have said, this is amazing. I mean, here I've been in this... Uh, 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 struggle with the king for so long and and it's been a struggle that I was fearful that I would lose and that I would I would be executed by the king and now I have an opportunity to execute the king now I've got an opportunity to turn the tables everything could change right here the circumstances cried out this is a sign from God you should execute the king but David thankfully didn't let circumstances make his decision. But unfortunately, we do this all the time. We, we, we are constantly, I'm afraid, looking for circumstances and trying to read into the circumstances of life uh, the counsel of, of the Lord on, on how we ought to respond to things. I can think of a time I was doing premarriage counseling 
and I will change a little bit of the story in case I have viewers. We have viewers from Ohio today, but uh, I was uh, doing this pre-marriage counseling, and I, I love doing that, you know, counsel people before they get married, and, but, but sometimes it can be pretty disheartening it, when, when it's just obviously a couple that ought not get married. And so this was one of those instances, and so I just said to the, to the woman who was sitting there, why, why do you want to marry this man? And she said, well, you know, he's, he's handsome and he's, and he's funny. And, and I've been trying to decide, you know, is the Lord in this? Because I want to honor the Lord, Pastor. And, and so late one night we were talking and he told me that his grandmother's name was Eunice. And you know what, Pastor? My grandmother's name is Eunice too. And I just took that as a sign from the Lord that we needed to get married. Now, People are constantly looking for some circumstance, oftentimes to convince them to do what they already want to do. We can't let circumstances make decisions for us. I have uh, asked people, why are, you, why are you quitting that job and taking this new job? And, and you know the answer that you hear sometimes from very spiritual people? Well, the opportunity presented itself, Pastor. God opened the door and I walked through it. Now, sometimes you need to take another job, but not just because the circumstance made it possible for you to take another job. Uh, so sometimes um, I, I've asked people, well, wh why, did, why did you buy that house? Well, because the price was good. Why, why are you dating that person? Well, because God just seemed to have put her in my path. Too many times we're just letting the circumstances of life determine our decisions when, when, when that's absolutely not how we should make a decision. Thankfully, because God is the preeminent communicator, we don't have to try to discern from, from mysterious events what God's plan is. And when we do that, we almost always make a wrong decision. If you're going to let circumstances decide for you, you would be just as well to flip a quarter. I mean, what if your life plan was? I mean, I think about my oldest daughter is going to college tomorrow, and uh, so she'll have a lot of decisions. Scares me to death. I have a lot of confidence in her, but scares me to death. She'll make decisions when me and mom will be a thousand miles away. But but what what if she were to decide? What if she were to tell me today that uh, that that she was this was her decision making paradigm? She's just going to start flipping a quarter. Got to make a decision, heads one way, tail the other. Now, would that be a wise thing to do? But, but that's the same thing. If we're just making decisions based on circumstances, just based on what happens in life, just based on who calls us on the phone, what opportunities present themselves, then, then we're doing the same thing. We might as well just flip a quarter. If you end up... If you make decisions by circumstances, you'll end up being ruled, governed, mastered by, by one of two different things. You, you may end up being mastered by coincidence. Now, when I say coincidence, I don't mean that God is not sovereign over everything, but what, what I mean is that there's not some hidden meaning in every little thing that happens. Okay, if, uh, if, 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 if a person named Sally comes, calls you and it's a wrong number and you read about Sally or saw her on the news and you put this Sally together with that Sally and you, you can't just read some message from God in every circumstance that happens, you're going to end up being ruled by coincidence. Secondly, you're liable to end up being ruled by emotion. 
Because circumstances are filled with emotion. When David saw the king with his britches down in the cave, I'm sure there were a lot of emotions. David was angry at the king. David was betrayed by the king. The king, David used to be the king's biggest supporter. And now the king's trying to kill him. David felt betrayed by the king. David may have felt the well of ambition because David desired to be the king. I mean, there were all of these emotions. And if he weren't careful, he could have just been ruled by his emotions. I've talked to men who have said, well, pastor, the reason I made a, a decision that destroyed my marriage is, you know, because my wife, she had not been supportive of me and she, you know, she was, our relationship was broken and my feelings were hurt. And so I was very emotional. And then an opportunity presented itself for me to go a different direction. And as I looked at that opportunity through the broken lens of my emotions, I made a decision that I will regret forever and ever and ever. Now, we can't make decisions by circumstance because we'll end up being ruled by emotions. So the first thing that he did, that he did right, was he refused to let circumstances be his guide. Number two, if you want to make a bad decision, let convenience determine your direction. David, all of a sudden, when Saul walked into this cave, David found an easier way to become the king. David wasn't going to have to wait for years for King Saul to die. David wouldn't have to wait until some other tragedy would befall the king. David could make himself the king immediately. He could have, he could have driven his sword through King Saul. He could have then picked up King Saul's sword, walked out, confronted the army, held the sword up in the air and said, I have killed the king. I am now the king. They would have followed him. Easy, easy process. David could have found a convenient way to become the king. But if you make a decision out of convenience, I'm telling you, you'll almost always make a decision that you'll regret. Uh, people do this all the time. Instead of saving money to buy something that we want, what do we do now? We just put it on a credit card. And 90 days, same as cash. And, and, and we just, instead of, instead of doing it the right way, we do it the convenient way. And we regret it. And, and instead of waiting for God to give you the right spouse to marry, the right man, the right woman for you to marry, so many people are just looking for a convenient way and they end up marrying not the right person that God would have provided, but they marry the convenient person that they can find. Instead of waiting and, and, until marriage to satisfy sexual appetites, people are, are looking for shortcuts. They're looking for the convenient way. Thankfully, David didn't take the convenient route. He waited on the Lord. The third thing that will help you make a bad decision is you could just let others decide for you. You could let others decide. Now, David had a bunch of people with him, right? He had some of his friends with him. Now, what did his friends want him to do? Do you remember from the, from the verses we read? What did his friends want to do? His friends wanted him to kill the king. In fact, the Bible says right here in verse 7 that we read that he had to work to persuade his friends not to do it for him. They wanted to kill the king. If David would have just decided he was going to follow the advice of others, he would have made a very bad decision. Now, there are certainly times when we need to listen to the advice of others. 
Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs eleven fourteen that there's safety in a multitude of counselors. We, we, we need to have wise people around us giving us the wisdom of God and speaking into our lives. But we must be careful that we don't just let other people decide. Because you can always find somebody, listen, you can always find somebody who will tell you what they think you want to hear. In fact, most of us, let's just be honest, most of us, our friends, and they're our friends, I'm not questioning that, but even our friends won't speak against us. They'll only speak what they think we want to hear. If you have a friend who will get in your face and say, that's about the dumbest thing I've ever seen you want to do, then you need to count yourself as a blessed person. You need to hold on to that friend because most people don't have anybody like that. If you want to get a divorce because marriage is tough, you can find somebody who will tell you that's a pretty good idea in your situation. If you're considering some sin and you know it's wrong, you can find somebody who will tell you that given the circumstances, it would be okay. If you want to buy something that you can't afford, you find somebody that will agree with you that you deserve to get it. So we have to be careful that we don't make decisions just based on what others have to say. So David, he didn't make a decision on circumstances. Thankfully, he didn't make a decision on what was most convenient. He didn't just listen to others. So how did David make a wise decision? We need to know this. I need to make some wise decisions. How did he do this? Well, three things quickly. Number one, he followed godly principles. If we're going to make good decisions, it starts with this. And, and, and oftentimes it doesn't get any further than this. This settles it. We need to follow the principles of God. We just simply need to do what the Bible says that we need to do. In David's situation, God's rule was what? Don't kill the king. I mean, it was just as simple as that. And even though David wanted to kill the king, and it would have been pretty easy for David to justify it. I mean, the king's trying to kill me. God told me I could be the king. God thinks that Saul is doing a bad job. I'd probably be helping out the nation if I got rid of Saul. Uh, nobody really likes Saul. If they had to vote on who's the king, I would win. He would lose. I mean, God just sort of needs me to help things out. It would have been easy for him to justify the killing of the king. It would have been simple for him to give 10 reasons. He could have preached the sermon. 10 reasons I should kill the king, but it came down to this. God's word said no. And when we're making a decision, instead of trying to figure out 14 different ways we can justify what we already want to do, we need to very simply just look at God's word. Most of the time when when we get in trouble, it's not, it's not because we've made a decision that was so complicated we couldn't figure it out and we, I mean, we stepped one way when God wanted us to step another. That's rare. Most of the time when we mess up, we have absolutely violated what we know God's word has to say. We need to be people who just let God's word speak in our lives. You know, I think when we're deciding, or I know this is true of me, Maybe you'll think less of me when I say this, but, but let me just be honest. When I'm, when I'm perplexed about a decision, more often than not, the issue is not that I don't know what to do. The issue is that I don't want to do what I know I ought to do. Does that make sense? I mean, the, 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 I usually know. 
I mean, certainly there, there are judgment calls where it's hard, but, but, but oftentimes I, I know, I know, I know what's right and wrong. That's not the issue. The issue is, is, is me wanting to do what God says. You know, Satan lies to me when I'm making these decisions and he, and he, he gives me these three lies. Number one, he says the command does not apply here. No, you know, there, there's a command and, and God's made his, uh, his uh, expectations clear, but, but that doesn't apply here. I mean, in this situation, things are a little different. I mean, that, that's the lie that Satan says. You know, this, th- this is a different situation than what God was talking about. And so, you don't have to follow God's uh, instruction here. It's different. Or, or Satan can't uh, convince us with that lie, he'll use this lie. The command just doesn't apply now. I mean, that would, be a, that would be a good thing for me to do, you know, 10 years from now, or that would have been a good thing for me to have done before I was married, or, or that would have been a good thing, you know, for, for, for them to do back in the 1800s. But I mean, things have changed now. And, and in the situation that I'm in right now, the, God's rule doesn't apply. That's a lie from Satan. Or Satan will say, the command doesn't apply to me. I mean, that's what other people need to do, certainly. I would counsel other people to do that, but for me, I mean, this is a special circumstance. Those are lies from Satan. I love what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter three. I'm sure you know these two verses, five and six, three, five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Now, what does that mean? We're gonna read the rest of this, but what does that mean? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not lean on your own understanding. That says, do what God says, not what you think is right. I mean, David didn't need to ponder whether or not he should kill the king and try to figure it out. We, we need to quit trying to figure it out and just do what God says do. So he says, trust in the Lord, not on your own understanding. And then what will God do? Now, that's our part. And then God's part is this, in all your ways, know him, that's our part too. And then God's part. And he will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. I, I, I want to show you something here. And I, I know if I step down here, everybody can't see me, but let me... Let me grab this uh, extension cord. Now, uh, this is a mess. Uh, This extension cord, I think it's supposed to be 100 feet, but I I imagine if I stretched it out, I couldn't get more than four or five feet. It's a mess. Now, let's let's go back to that verse, if you will, on the screen, because I, I want you to see that that's my extension cord verse. See, for many of us, this is what life looks like. Now, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but I mean, for some of you, this is what your marriage looks like. It's just, a, it's just a, a mess. It's got more knots in it than it has anything else. For some of us, uh, finances look like this. For some of us, our spiritual life looks like this. And ministry can look like this. This is what life looks like. Well, now, well, notice what this verse says. Look at it again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. That means don't try to figure out what to do. Just, just be simply obedient. And what does God say? He will straighten out your paths. He will untie the knots, the tangles in your life. But, it's, but the knots and the tangles won't be uh, uh, undone because you have reasoned a new path. It's going to be because you put God's instructions ahead of your own reasoning. David made a wise decision because he he simply followed godly principles. Number two, he made a wise decision because he looked for the peace of God. If you you look back at verse 5, and and perhaps you'll just remember it, it says, afterward David's conscience bothered him 
when David cut off the corner of uh, Saul's robe, and he was still trying to decide, this wasn't the end of the story, this was right in the middle of the decision, he's still trying to decide if he's going to execute the king. So he cuts off the corner of his robe, and immediately his conscience, he, he, he's just sick. He's got that lump in the back of his throat. He just knew what, the, what he was about to do was wrong. He looked for the peace of God. See, the Bible says that, that if we're close enough to God, that God will give us a peace when we're going the right direction, and he will give us an uneasiness when we're going the wrong direction. For, for those of us who are believers, the Holy Spirit is our guide. We looked at a couple of verses last week, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, God gives us this peace. And, and David ultimately said, I, I, I won't do this because I've lost the peace. God has, 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 has convicted my conscience. And you know, th there will be times when we can make the decision based on what the Bible says. There will be some times when the Bible doesn't speak, but God will speak through his Holy Spirit by giving us or removing from us peace. And if you're close enough to the Lord, you know what I'm talking about. The problem is so many people live so far away from the Lord, they never experience. They, they don't, this is just a foreign concept to them. Imagine if, um, if, uh, if I were trying to defuse a bomb. I don't know anything about defusing bombs, but if we found a bomb in the, in the pulpit here and and uh, so we were trying to diffuse it and I open it up and there are all these uh, wires and they're all different colors. Have you seen this on television, right? I don't think this is the way bombs really work, but you know, on television, there's a timer and you know, and I've got a wire cutters. And so somebody's given me instructions and, and I got to do it quickly because the timer's going down and we're all going to go boom. If I don't get this done, especially me, cause I'm standing next to it, I'm motivated, but the person giving me instructions He's like 300 yards away across four lanes of traffic and he's just shouting them. And I can just barely hear what he's saying. Now that would be a dangerous situation. No, I don't want him 300 yards away. I want him right here. I want to be able to clearly hear his instructions. If he knows how to defuse this bomb, I want him close by. What's happening here is that for some of us, we are so far from God, we don't experience the peace and conviction of God. But if we'll walk closely with God, God will give you peace when you're making a wise decision. And he will remove it when you're not. Well, there was a third thing that he did to make a wise decision and that we need to do. He was patient. We must be patient. We must be patient. David wanted to become the king. God had put that desire in his heart and anointed him as a young boy uh, to be the king of Israel. Uh, that's, I'm sure, what he thought about every day. But God wanted him to wait. God wanted him to be patient. And you know, because he was patient, uh, we, we see because we know the rest of the story, because he was patient, God honored that in his life but so many times we don't want to wait for God to do something. I mean, God was going to make David king in time. David could have done it quick, quick, quick. But, but God said, no, I'm going to make you the king. You just need to be patient. You need to trust me. There's value. Listen, there's value in being patient. If, if we are impatient, let me tell you a, a, a couple of things, a couple of instructions about that. First of all, if we want to be patient, we don't need to take things into our own hands. Had David killed Saul and become the king, David would have wondered for the rest of his days, 
whether he was king, listen, because God made him king, or was he king because David had made him king? And see, there were some tough days in David's uh, reign. And there were some days when I'm sure it was essential to David that he knew that God had placed him there. Does that make sense? And if you get ahead of God, there are going to be some times in your marriage where it's going to matter that you know that God put you in this marriage. I'm not going to walk away from this marriage because God put me here. So you need to be patient. Let God put you where he's going to put you so you know, hey, God put me here. I can tell you, there have been some times in my ministry. There have been times in my ministry when, when, when I don't know how things would have turned out if I didn't have the assurance that God had called me in the ministry and put me in that situation and that I was to stay there and see what he would do. There are times when if I wouldn't have had that assurance, I would have run the other way. So, so you, you need to not take things into your own hands. Let God put you there. And secondly, you just need to not give up. So when we're making a decision, sometimes it's because we just wanna, we just wanna give up. We, we don't wanna be patient. We don't wanna wait on God. We just wanna give up. I, I talk to people who, who, who are unmarried and who wanna be married. And, and sometimes they're just so tired of being single. They, they, just, they just wanna give up. Well, I'm just gonna marry the next woman that comes along. I'm just gonna marry the next guy that comes along and shows a little bit of interest. It doesn't matter. I, I'm, I'm tired. I just, instead of being patient, we, we, we get ahead of God. We, people waiting for business success. And, you know, I, I want my business to be successful. I want to be successful financially. And, 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 and so there are a lot of shortcuts along the way. There are a lot of things you could do that you know you ought not do. And, and sometimes it's tempting to take one of those. But what we need to do is be, be patient. Be patient. Waiting uh, to have a godly marriage where there's joy in your marriage and, and you're frustrated because it's not there. What do you need to do? You need to be patient. You need to be patient. Let God bring joy to your marriage. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your wife. Pray for your husband. Wait, wait on God. Don't give up. First Peter 5, 6, it says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you in the proper time. Let God make you king when he wants to make you king. Let God give you a spouse when he wants you to have a spouse. Let God make you financially successful when God wants to make you financially successful. Let God give you that, that perfect relationship and perfect marriage when God wants to give you that perfect marriage. Don't get impatient. Wait on God. Had David been impatient at this moment, everything would have come tumbling down. But David, thankfully, waited on God. And so if you know the rest of the story of David, the rest of 1 Samuel you know that David made the right decision. I don't know, I don't know which decisions in my life in the next week or the next year, I don't know which are gonna be the most critical 10 years from now, but listen, I wanna be somebody who makes good decisions. And I want us to make good decisions. And I think the Bible tells us how to do that. Now let me tell you just as I close, let me tell you about the best decision I ever made. Can I do that? I thought about telling you the worst decision I ever made, but I'm not that, uh, I'm not that brave. My kids are here, right? <laughs> but I can tell you about the best decision I've ever made. It was interesting. I had a, had a conversation uh, just a couple of weeks ago uh, with um, uh, the wife of... Uh, 
one of my old college roommates. Uh, he is a, uh, uh, he's a physician in Talladega, Alabama. It works with uh, the, the federal prisons there as a physician. And, but he, and he, has, he has cancer, and he's had cancer for a number of years, and, and it uh, has returned. Um, and he was having surgery, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. And so I knew his wife. Uh, when we were in high school together. Uh, and she was the person. So I got it, all that to say, I, I ended up talking to her uh, often that morning while he was in surgery. I was just trying to be an encouragement uh, to her. And it brought back memories of, of, of high school. So, so let me, I don't know what I'm saying. So when I was in high school, <laughs> I, um, I, I lived a life that, uh, that didn't honor the Lord. Uh, nobody expected me to come to know Christ. Uh, the church didn't expect me to come to know Christ. My friends didn't expect me to come to know Christ. My friends didn't know Christ. Uh, I, was, I was heading in the wrong direction. I did things that I'm just so ashamed about today that I could never tell the whole story. Uh, but there was, a, uh, but there was a, a young lady. She was a, a year younger than me a, in high school. And she, uh, she, she gave me a Bible. Uh, is, is really where it started. She gave me a Bible for my birthday. And, um, and so she would ask me to read it and then we would talk about some passages. And, and uh, she invited me to uh, go to a, a youth camp. Uh, and I went to, the, went to a camp in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And I didn't go for any spiritual reasons. I went for other reasons. Um, that'll be another sermon perhaps. But, uh, but I had heard the gospel before. Uh, this was... Uh, you know, I went to high school in the 80s when you could bring an evangelist to school once a year and, you know, he would preach in the gym. And so that would happen at my school once a year and the whole school would get saved, right? And so every year I got saved in gym class, you know, when the evangelist was there. But it didn't mean anything. It didn't take with me or anybody else, I don't think. Um, but I went on this retreat and I heard the gospel. And, and like I said at the beginning of this message, it was as if the Lord were standing before me saying, this is the time for you to make a once for all decision. And I recognized then that I was hopeless in my sin. And I needed to quit my plan of one day I'll do better. One day I'll do better. One day I'll do better. Because I'm, I wasn't going to do better. I was broken. I was sinful. That's who I was. And so on that night, I humbled myself before the Lord. And I said, my only hope is what Jesus has done for me. And I didn't know a lot of theology and I didn't know how to pray and I didn't know any Bible words. But I asked God if there was some way, would you save me? And it was that decision, as I said, that became the hinge point for the rest of my life. And so I wanna invite you today, if you have never made that decision, that's the first good decision and a long stream of good decisions God wants you to make. And so as we stand and sing, I know some people are coming this morning to join the church and we're thankful for that. But if you would like to come and uh, pray to receive Christ as your savior, I wanna invite you to come. I'll be here and others will help me and we'll help you become a believer today. Let's stand together. I wanna pray as we sing. Father, uh, by the grace of God, we can make some wise decisions.
but there's a, there's a method to the madness. There's a, there's a plan. And Father, I pray you sear that plan upon our hearts through this passage today so that our lives can bring honor and glory to you instead of shame and that we can make the right decisions. And for those who are not children of God today, I pray that that right decision will begin with deciding to accept you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Let's sing together.